Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Entrepreneurship in Developing Markets. I am here with my co-host, Lincoln. Lincoln, how's it going? Good. Struggling with technology, but we finally got it working. <laughs> yeah. We spent probably a total of two hours debugging our technology over the last two yeah. episodes. So when we were in Kigali and Nairobi, you know, we blamed it on Africa, but here we are back in the States and it's still not working. So it's probably user error on my part. Uh, it's all good. How was your trip to uh, Nairobi? <laughs> Fantastic. We uh, we went to Rwanda and then to Kenya and then back through Dubai. And we'll have time to talk about some of those experiences. It was, it was a good time. And, and your own? How was yours? Uh, it was great. Well, got married while uh, you were traveling. So <laughs> why not? <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> then uh, uh, went to uh, Lisbon for a couple of days and that was amazing. So had a great time. Seems to be the place to be. Everybody wants to go to Portugal now. Yeah, I think uh, even before the pandemic, it was um, kind of like an emerging place in Europe to go to. And over um, then COVID hit and it became a lot more popular. Yeah. Uh, place. Well. Yeah. They got those digital nomad uh, passports or. Um, right. Easy, yeah, they were the, some of the first movers on that, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Good. But in this episode, we just want to talk about um what I wanted to talk about is just hiring and hiring and developing markets and just the process for that and how do you find talent when you're looking to launch and start uh your business or looking to add team members to uh your business and how do you go about hiring and finding the best talent there? Like in your yeah, experience. Absolutely. You had some really good thoughts on that when we discussed in Kenya and you, you should share some of those with us and get us started well, off. <laughs> I think hiring is, uh, is, can be somewhat challenging if you don't know what you're uh, initially doing. I think one of the first things that um, you have to think about when looking to hire in developing markets is sort of leave uh, your a lot of your um, processes that you've learned when, you know, hiring in the States behind. And what I mean right. by that is, you know, there's a whole, it, like the, just the mannerism of people change throughout like different cultures and uh, different countries. So in my experience, when I first started hiring, I always like the questions I used to always ask myself is, do I want to like hang out with this and does, would, uh, hang out with these uh, people that I'm hiring or would they make a good culture fit? But I realized that a lot of the times when I got candidates in front of uh, like their interview, I'll be like, man, these, they don't seem very friendly. I, I can't really quite engage with them in the way I would when I was hiring in Arizona. And one of the things that I just had to relearn was um, body language is completely different um, based off of just where you're hiring at. And especially in like when I was hiring in Serbia, like people are very much very stoic in their approach uh, to communicating or uh, interacting with you. There's not a lot of like, you know, friendly banter that happens. It's like, hey, you know, like it's more- They're not known for being gushing people, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so coming from the States, it'll really throw, it'll really throw you off. <laughs> and you're like, man, I, I don't know if, if I 
like if this guy is friendly or if it will be a good culture fit. Um, but it's like uh, even in our country, we have that right between like New York and California. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I grew up in the West, but I remember finally getting along with my first New Yorker friend when I learned that I should cut him off after halfway through a sentence. And then our conversations flowed really well. <laughs> Uh, yeah. What has been like your initial uh, experience when we started hiring um, and finding talent and what you had to like read, like learn about hiring? Well, I think we could learn a lot from the French. So the French aren't squeamish about asking the things you really want to know. Right. So in, in America, with our current state of um, uh, whatever you want to call it, we, uh, <laughs> We're very careful about what we talk about, especially yeah. in hiring. We know we're going to be sued for whatever we ask. So we don't really ask the stuff we want to know. What do I want to know when I hire somebody? I want to know who are you? Like, what do you want out of life? Who are your parents? How did they raise you? What were like the formative experiences? What things uh, scare you? And uh, why are you here? And um, all of those sort of things. Uh, which I guess we now rely on social media to, uh, to tell us, you know, we look people up on social media and we see a little bit about what they post and their profiles and so on. So that kind of can give us the texture, but um, really it's, I think as, as you're saying, um, it's kind of hard to know what things to ask or what to do. We try to have uh, some kind of experience together. So Anything that you can do together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and usually that the safest way is that takes the form of a day of work. You know, we, add, we invite people to come and work with us for a day and, and we'll pay them. Even if they weren't useful to us, um, it's money well spent because you just get to know more about people. And at the end of the day, you'll know a lot more than you did in the interview. The interviews mm-hmm. are pretty difficult because it's lots of people, as you as, as you've said, a lot of people can can put on a good show, but don't actually have the skills. Mm -hmm. I think that's interesting what you were saying about the uh, stoic nature of some people. And then there's others that are, that have learned how to really cultivate you. And so uh, they will be that kind of person you want to hang out with, but at the end of the day, they may not be a very competent employee. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think, one way that like, I really love what you uh, just said with taking them out into the field and working with them for a day and um, giving you guys, the, you know, just sharing, having that shared experience together. Um, how did that come up? How did that become something that you developed into your hiring practice? Well, which, one of the things we say in the company is that we talk to everyone, right? Even our competitors. Uh, we say there's there's no way that someone talks to you that they don't disclose something about themselves. Now, of course, mm-hmm. that goes both ways. So you have to make sure that you're not <laughs> disclosing things either. <laughs> right? But uh, but there's no way you spend some time with someone and, and not learn something about them and hopefully get into uh, difficult circumstances. Um, if you can, if you can have, <laughs> I had a, an old customer who used to say, I like problems. Problems are when you get to know people. And so if you can get somebody into a difficult situation or, you know, take them out to lunch and 
wow, what a, what a godsend it would be if somebody rear-ended you, right? And you had that experience together and you saw how that person reacted. And Okay, maybe you don't want to rear-end accident, but yeah, just any, any sort of thing that will jar them out of their um, interview frame where they're sure about what they're telling you and they're careful and you're, they're managing your, uh, what you're learning, and just get them to show their true colors. And, you know, we assume that those are good colors that uh, something we want to know, but sometimes you find things that aren't, aren't going to be compatible with your work. Mm-hmm. How do you get around um, what tends to happen? And what I've seen is that like the top, like sort of like the top down approach of some, uh, some cultures that also reflect on the, on the interview level where, um, for example, when I used to interview a lot of developers in uh, India, one of the things that like I it was, was always very common was they like you would ask them a question and it'd always be, yeah, we, I can do that. I can do that. Or they would never <laughs> they would never want to admit like that they couldn't do it or they would never want to challenge. Uh, you because they saw you as some sort of like authority figure so it it didn't uh it was very hard to create that environment of where even like your team members or employees are holding you accountable and you're trying to like gauge if like if this person is going to be able to you know come in and actually share you know uh input or share uh feedback and not feel like i can't um, communicate or share my ideas because that's very common, especially when you're hiring in a lot of different places, you'll get, uh, people who they have really great ideas, but they won't share it because of just how the nature of work, um, has been for them in their culture. Yeah. I'm glad you shared that. That's exactly what I wanted you to say, because you, you had shared that the other day. That's a really important point. And that's like you say, it's cultural. And so um, you'll end up with what feels like yes men, right? People who are trying to reinforce how great you are and how smart you are and how right you are, even when you're not, that's dangerous. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then you'll notice when those people get in a supervisory position, they're a totally different personality, right? (laughs) Now they expect everyone to be that way to them. So it cuts both ways. Um, and, uh, I think what that comes down to, in my view is, um, meritocracy versus like hierarchy or connection or, um, relationship. So in those cultures, it might be more important where, what your status is or where your connection is. I would imagine that people in those cultures are less likely to say to their child as they go out for a job interview, you're going to get the job because you're the best one. It's more likely that they might say, you're going to get the job because uncle is in there and he's going to get it for you. Uh (laughs) Right. (laughs) And and so, um, and what's really important is to keep uncle happy and tell Mm -hmm. uncle that he's the smartest and the best and whatever he says goes. We don't really Mm -hmm. care if it's the right idea because uncle's got the first strings or he's in control or whatever versus, you know, hopefully the culture that we grew up in, in the United States is supposed to be a meritocracy. And it's like, you know, if you, if you can do the job or they have the best idea or the smartest wins, Mm -hmm. it has its flaws too, but 
Uh, I think that's at the base of what you're explaining there. Mm -hmm. Like for me, it's trying to uh, figure out how to get around that because there's so many good candidates, right? But when you get in, when you get them into that room or on a call and you just hear, yeah, I can do that. Or they're, they're not really, um, you put a problem in front of them, even if you're working with them for a day and they're not really giving you that feedback that you need. And you think, you know, this person is not qualified for, um, that, that role, because they're just telling you these things that you want to hear. And they're very, and they're very reserved, especially um, in a culture where there's a, it's a top-down approach to mm -hmm. just working and collaborating together. Um, how are you guys able to get like, get that working day that you guys have together with the partners that you guys bring on to really gauge the talent level and the qualifications of the candidates. Yeah. I, you know, I, I don't think there's any uh, silver bullet there. I think what you're talking about is the right thing to do, you know, mm -hmm. give it's you use your gut and choose somebody and put them on for a couple of days and then and move on to the next one until you find somebody who, who's willing to, to maybe work in your culture a little bit and, mm -hmm. and or can, can cross the culture and can understand you know, I've seen lots of people who have been able to do that, who can play both cultures, mm -hmm. recognize that the, you know, the American work culture is different than the Indian or the Zambian or the Kenyan work culture. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, they have to adjust. And, and especially Africans, they're very, uh, very quick to adjust to cultures. But, I, you know, as you're saying that, I was thinking that we'd frequently do trainings in the solar business and we'll have these technicians and owners, company owners that will come to these trainings and we'll have 30 or 40 people. And if it's in East Africa or Southern Africa, I generally start with my little speech about, I, I have some swag to give away, you know, some little gifts or whatever. I say, okay, you're all very polite. You've been taught to be polite in school and that's great. That's not how Americans are. They're noisy. <laughs> so I normally <laughs> mostly have American trainers. I say, these guys are going to be in your face and we we're going to have, we have all these gifts and then we start, as soon as somebody answers a question, we give them a gift and try to stimulate. Yes, that was, that mm -hmm. was the right response. Keep going. You don't have to do that in Nigeria. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you don't have to ask the Nigerians to contribute. They, they have something to contribute and they're, they'll let you know what they're thinking. And that's refreshing. Um, <laughs> that's also probably why it's easier for Nigerian Americans to succeed in the United States because our cultures are, are more similar in, in business. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. I, I wanted to just move on a little bit and talk about a little bit more. Once you bring these people on uh, for you, how has been your experience over, you know, what, how are you introduced them to the team once you bring them on? Right. Um, and bridge that gap between, let's say if you, you know, you have team members in the U S um, that are going to be working with them um, and also team members that are already existing. Like we'll have, what has been you guys' process for that? Uh, for us, what we've done is we, for the first like four weeks um, that we bring on a new team member, either wherever they're located, we try to have each, uh, the for the 
role that they're going to be in and the people who work within that role, we try to have them work with those people individually, like a set, like a dedicated session um, and try to incorporate that them into the overall company uh, or business uh, culture. Because what tends to happen and what um, I experienced early on when um, you have a hybrid team and you've hired people from, you know, Kenya, or you hire from Nigeria or Serbia is there tends to be some sort of like a split culture, especially if you don't integrate them right after the hiring, there tends to be, oh, these people just kind of work for us. And we don't really quite know them uh, type of feel. (laughs) And they're just there. (laughs) And we have our own thing going on. But but and they're just kind of like the hired help versus like, hey, they are full members of the team that just happen to uh, live across, you know, um, the live across, live in different parts of the world. Well, I think we should all take your advice on that. You, you've got the <laughs> most relevant experience on remote teams like that. And yeah. I think the fact that you're aware of it and working on it probably does more than, than, uh, than anything else. Uh, my experience here is money spent on travel is never wasted. Mm-hmm. You may go on a trip and you may think you didn't fulfill your objectives and you didn't get what you wanted, but you didn't waste your money. You've learned something and you've picked something up. And, and the more you can get your team members to travel within economic considerations, obviously, the better. And you just feel differently when you've seen where someone stays, as we say in Africa. You know, there's a kinship that, that develops because at least when you're now when I'm talking to Dornabari, I know where he lives and what he's like. And, Mm-hmm. Um, so that that that's very important if you can do it again if you can afford it um, <laughs> you know one of the things that might be the driver behind a lot of this yes man ism that you're getting or that we all get is that this expectation that uh, working for an American company is nirvana mm-hmm. uh, do you have that oh. do you just People expect that now that I'm working for you and you're in America, then everything's going to be okay. Uh, what I've, uh, my experience, what I've found is that people tend to want to work for American companies just because first, usually the salary is usually a lot higher. Right. Um, they're, they, they seem to think that there's less, um, um, top they they want to work for a less top down approach organization like organization but they behave in a top down approach <laughs> right they're sabotaging <laughs> themselves they really like what you have but they're not they're not doing it themselves yeah, <laughs> yeah sure yeah and in certain places you know working for an american company is you know it's the it's the goal it's yeah. the, it's where you want to be because it offers it offers more perceived uh stability um, when it comes to work and if it has, has offers more prestige, uh, it has a, is viewed as more prestigious, uh, within sure. there. and there's always that possibility of a green card in the future, right? So they might be yeah, able to yeah, absolutely. matriculate to the United States. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, I, uh, years ago, I just quit carrying business cards to church because, uh, in Africa, I go to church. After church, four or five guys kind of sidle up to me. So, brother, how are you? So, where are you, you know? And they know I'm American. And and pretty soon they're soliciting a job. And it's, I got nothing for them. I'm not hiring in that country. Um, (laughs) 
in Kenya the other day, I, I made the mistake of carrying a business card. And when the guy asked for it, I couldn't lie to him. So I gave it to him. The next day, I had a WhatsApp, an email, a text. <laughs> he wanted a job. I don't blame him. He's still emailing me. Um, but it, like you say, it's that perception that I'm going to solve all his problems. Mm-hmm. I don't have any jobs in Kenya. I'm nothing, I'm nothing I could do for him. But he was sure that I could. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think um, just to wrap things up, um, what are some uh, advices that you would give to anyone that's beginning that journey of wanting to hire and find talent, you know, in, the, in developing markets? And what are like top four or five things that you would recommend that they look for in a great candidate? when they're starting out? Yeah, well, I think they should listen very closely to all the things you've said there because you've got some good experience and you've learned a lot of valuable lessons. Uh, I just think of one thing that Warren Buffett says. He says, if you're going to hire somebody who's not honest, make sure they're not smart. And so, you know, a dumb, dishonest person, you'll probably catch them sooner or later. Smart one, you might not catch them. that to us, that is the one golden thing we just can't live without. You've got to be honest. And finding out how someone, if, if someone is honest, is, you know, there's a lot of ways. We'll probably talk about this in the next podcast. I've got five or six ways that we qualify people, but um, you got to have that. If you don't have that, nothing else works. So I would say that's the golden uh, question to find, find out and really determine that. And then the best way is, you know, as you've said, give them a task and see how they do. Um, Can they adapt to your culture and can they do it or not? And um, trial runs are probably a really good idea. Don't get too committed until, you know, somebody, it was a Jack Walsh said, we fire too slowly and hire too quickly. All right. Well, that's about does it for this um, episode. Um, if you love this episode, please make sure to follow us or leave us a comment. And if you didn't leave us a comment as to why you didn't like it either, we'll be open to it. <laughs>